Canadian tech companies, coast to coast, are really, really making an impact. And the more I have, have been exposed to so much great technology and, and smart, smart people we have in our country and all around the world. So I see nothing but good things on, on this. And I've been in a variety of industries, so I think this one's a, an up-and-coming one. More so, I see the much-needed industry diversification. Welcome to the Joe Momo Presents podcast. This is the Calgary Leader Series. Let's start the show. Hello, podcast. I'm really excited to have my next guest on, the one and only Bill Roberts. Welcome to the pod. Thank you very much, Joe. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so let's jump right into it. Um, obviously, you have a very extensive entrepreneurial business history and a number of companies, magic number of companies that to success. So obviously, we'd love to hear those golden nuggets of yours. But uh, yeah, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about uh, who you are and what you do. Thanks. Uh, it's great to be here. I do appreciate the opportunity to present for us as well to be on your podcast. So Noble Technologies, Inc., Calgary-based company, 10 years old. Um, and our kind of, we have a restart. So, but, uh, so my role is, uh, as a CEO, um, I really am here to prepare Noble with a clear direction for the disruption that could confront our company. And what I mean by that is the participant in the disruption of what we could do. So I'm responsible for the vision, ensuring that the, the vision and business operates at a profit and meets our goals. I approach no opportunities, managing organizational structure, but there's so much noise out there. How do it be that signal among, amongst the noise and give a clear message while keeping an eye on our technological development is, is probably paramount to me. But most importantly, is engage with our stakeholders. So our employees, key, our customers, very, very key, our board, our investors, and I try to do that by, as a CEO, I lead with my ears and follow with my mouth. <laughs> I love that. And just for the listeners that uh, perhaps don't know too much about Noble, uh, what's maybe the biggest thing Noble does that people don't, don't really know about? So Noble has developed uh, hardware and tech and also software. We've created that into a platform. And it is really designed for five sectors. We are in the retail sector, we're in the hospitality sector. Then we're into home uh, use and also medical services. And our primary focus today is the first three. Our retail product is a mirror. So we develop a hardware, which is a mirror, which hangs on the wall, if you imagine. It's about the size of a door, and it's fully interactive, fully engaging. And it gives the user the opportunity to take what they've really experienced over the last two years of digital world, of doing things from your handheld or from your home, um, to blending back to bricks and mortar as we are social animals. We like to get back out there. And with that, we have the ability to go in and accelerate that within a retail and space. So um, when was a client, PDH, uh, so let's use Hudson Bay. They're not a client yet. Let's hope they're listening. Maybe they will be. <laughs> but uh, where you can actually hang a mirror in an area and utilize it to shop on. You can utilize it to what they call an omni-channel. So our omni-channel is about the online and in-store inventory, giving access. It also is tying into social media components for the user, for the client, uh, the customer, as well as a marketing component for the client. And then payment on the mirror. So it's a full circle. So if you walk up, I like that shirt, and it can help you guide, it guides you through that process of buying that shirt. Maybe you want it in blue and you want it to have stripes and pockets and call it. 
but they don't have all of those. As you go through all of this, it will actually say, well, we have this in store and a tenant will bring it to you. What we don't have, we'll have delivered to you. And then you finish that. Tap, pay, and away you go. A couple of things that are advantageous there is the ability for the consumer to not have to shop and go other places for what they're looking for. So there's a number of other ones as well. So that mirror, and then we make it bigger. We also make them smaller. But our, we named them after um, Canadian uh, rivers. We wanted to have a bit of Canadiana around the world. So we're shipping into Dubai, Japan, um, Korea. We're shipping throughout the U.S. and Europe, Middle East, uh, India, uh, Turkey. So we, our big one is the Yukon, biggest river in Canada. Next one is the Churchill, most popular. Then there's the Bow, because we couldn't leave the Bow out. And then the Horton, not really defining to Tim Hortons. That's probably one people, but there is a Horton River. So, so we tried to do that. So that's so our 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 business is really how do we take hardware and software and make them work seamlessly, and that's what we've done. Mm, okay, it sounds like you're reinventing how we shop. Certainly, trying to accelerate it to a different level or to a more comfort level or a level that gives us engagement and now there's a whole bunch of other things we'll talk about as we go through but it's about how does the hudson's bay see their client going through a journey so it's really about and they tell us and what we do is we work and build that journey for them so that it's replicated what they think their client needs through all of this we drive analytics and and data of course and we give that back to the client so they can help steer where they need to go or don't need to go Mm. as i mentioned earlier earlier i said that you've had a extensive uh, entrepreneurial <laughs> background and also success and leadership as well. Uh, so I'm just curious, what made you want to pursue a career in entrepreneurship or leadership? Well, um, in the beginning, I never knew there was such a career path. <laughs> <laughs> so I honestly say I stumbled upon it. <laughs> um, what I had the opportunity to do was see opportunities in areas that had some problem solving. So I've always enjoyed problem solving, building things that couldn't be built, or at least tried to build them. Didn't always work, but that was one thing that inspired me to follow that path. And it just happened to be different things. It was a variety of different businesses, building things and uh, setting up structures within organizations. One thing that is, um, I would say, very typical of all um, businesses is just business. You know, accounting, finance, you know, marketing, selling. Never mind the widget. The widget is a separate thing. And so I was able to take that. And what I was able to do is also figure out how can I give back to my community? Because in, I've been very fortunate, have a lot of great mentors. And one of the things they taught was about giving back to the community. So how do we do that as well? Um, I'm hoping to make a difference. And so that is the difference within the employees that come to work for us and enrich in their lives. And, and there are people that come and work for us. And then they say, you know, I think it's, I'd like to go do this. And then we'd say, great. And if it doesn't work out, come on back. We don't want to ever hold anybody back. We want them to go out and aspire. Maybe they'll take up the career of an entrepreneur. So I would say that for me, it was about how do I get problem solving? And then I really became agnostic to what it was. And the problems really didn't vary a lot. Speaking of aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, I noticed that you're part of EO, uh, the chair of the GROW program. Uh, yeah. Perhaps you could talk a little bit more about that for any aspiring entrepreneurs listening. Certainly. Yeah, I joined EO a number of years ago, um, and then I went on the board, and the role I took was, what they had time, they called it the accelerator group, and it really was those young businesses that are young uh, entrepreneurs coming up, and how could we help educate them? So this is part of the giving back. So I then 
the I was given a, the chair of the entrepreneur or the program at that time was uh, Angela Chang and also um, uh, uh, TM. And so TM and Angela both said, you know, I had a different vision of how we could do this so that we could have this real life experiences of all of the people from EO that are very, very successful and others. And how do we transfer that to help those not make those bumps? You know, there is no need to go get that t-shirt if you don't need to. Like I've been there, done it, don't want that one. So how can we transfer that? So we then started the GROW program and it is uh, launched into a very successful program for EO, which takes those young entrepreneurs, it puts them into we'll call them forums. It's a norm, kind of a normal environment of six people of a different industries and they're coached by another uh, EO entrepreneur. And so that they meet once a month and they sit for half half the day and then they learn about their businesses, they share problems they, and it's, it's a building of that. And then there's a formal class structure all around the foundational aspects of business. And so EO was extremely uh, great about doing that. We were able to, I handed it off to a, a really great guy, Jeff, and it's his turn to take it. And he's going to take it to that next level because we all have our ceilings. And I realized mine and, and Jeff still had one that he was at the next level. So we handed it off and he's making it even better. Oh, I love that. Speaking of uh, skills and uh, being able to add value, uh, what's maybe one of the unique skills that have made you become so successful? I've seen the Noble's core values of some of them being honesty, resilience, accountability. But for you personally, what's been one of the core elements or skills, if you will, that's made you become so successful? You know, um, I'll divide it into two parts, both professionally and personally. Um, and I'll start off with the, the professional side. Um, I'm not sure I ever feel, felt that or feel even today that I've reached that level of success in professional. And part of that is learning. And as part of that is realizing that I have lots to learn from people that come into our business that are younger. We take lots of graduates out of the USC, uh, Mount Royal, U um, and uh, SAIT. And they're all, you know, they're, they're so energetic. And there's so much that I can learn because, of course, their, their advancement in technology is greater than mine. Then, but so there's a reciprocity there. I'm going to be willing to help and teach you things, but teach me things. So I think being open is important to me. But it's also been it was intriguing to become an entrepreneur. Um, and part of that is the relentless pursuit uh, of the success that I was hoping to get. And after years of discovery and opportunity, I've decided to embrace the process of the daily discovery. So each day presents a new challenge to face, so to speak, the dragon, to celebrate the victory of being alive. So, And I get that opportunity to share that. And we really do try to keep it a part of our culture so that everybody has that ability to come back. So I think that has made me, um, helped me become a better entrepreneur and help build my skill sets. And there's a wonderful, uh, my brother is probably one of my uh, business uh, professional mentors that is, uh, he's... Um, he's much older than me, I'll put that in. And, uh, <laughs> but he's been very successful as well. So, And personally, personal and professional and personal success can be at odds in, at certain points. And the separation of those between the entrepreneurial path and knowing when to disconnect in itself is success. And I look at my, my wife, we would be coming on 42 years married, our two daughters that have uh, been incredible. Um, and all three of those, they steer me. I need some steering every now and then. That might be a kick in the pants. But um, they certainly have been there, supportive, um, and good ideas, things that I miss. Uh, you know, I get too consumed, can't see the forest for the trees. It would be an old analogy, but it's applicable. But um, so the personal success for me is my family. 
Um, sure, it is the basic things providing for them uh, and guiding them, but laughing, living, loving, uh, being with them is my success. So those are my ideas. Well, uh, congrats on the 43 years. Uh, I actually just got married a few months ago, so I'm maybe starting that journey as well. Congratulations to you. Appreciate it. Um, so yeah, success. And then maybe on the other end of things, I mean, there's always challenges and uh, barriers to success and overcoming those are just part of the journey. Uh, but for you, has there been any big challenge or maybe a failure, I like to call them learning opportunities rather than failures uh, that you've experienced in your journey that uh, you'd like you'd be able to share with the listeners. For sure. Oh, there's been many. Yeah. Yeah. They don't come without failures. The success does not come without failures and you learn. But um, one of the things that I learned um, and I got frustrated when I failed, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I tried to go, what, what don't I know? What, what am I not doing right? And, and I'm trying to look back at it and trying to dissect it to a certain degree that at the end of the day, I, again, um, just, I just couldn't figure that out. So then I really thought, you know, if I'm going to fail, I better fail quickly and get over with this and then put it behind me. And from that, I was able to learn that uh, I need to focus on what my strengths are and not my weaknesses. And then with that, how do I fill those gaps? And, then, and so that's a whole other discussion. But, oh, yeah, there have been failures. And not paying attention to some of the very... Um, you know, right in front of me things. And passion sometimes outplays logic. And um, and it's good to be passionate, but I think putting a cap on, there were certainly some things that I needed to put a cap on my passion that I wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have otherwise done. But uh, so I would say those are, those are certainly some of my aspects that I've learned that if I'm going to fail, I better determine to fail quickly and move on. And then take what I learned and, and, and embellish on that. And work with it. Yeah, I love that feeling quickly. Because uh, I mean, again, like I said, I think any challenge or failure is really just a learning opportunity. So if you could get to that learnings or insight quickly, um, yeah, it's, it would be beneficial uh, through through your, through your path. So in terms of resources, I know you mentioned mentors earlier uh, in the interview, but uh, mm -hmm. what have, what have been some of the best resources that's that's helped you along along your way? People that I've worked with and allowed me to work with them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, already at a very uh, early and young age, um, you know, I, I, there was a point in time, and I'm sure a number of us may have stumbled there, but I certainly did, is that uh, I thought I was smarter than I was. <laughs> and, uh, and, and what I learned was that I needed to, is to define that I, there are things I don't know and understand and accept I don't know them and don't pretend I know them, and then look to my mentors, um, some great people that I've had opportunity to be around and some. Um, you know, I, I'd have, probably my best mentor is still my wife. Uh, and I know that may sound cliche-ish, but uh, it's, it's, in my case, it's true. It's how I feel. Uh, followed by my brother and then followed by a number of other great uh, inspirational individuals that have been in the business world for a long time. And some that, you know, were uh, one, of the, one of the best guys that I ever knew was Phil Benjamin Glenn Stark. And I remember he's a CFA or CFO, so he's a CA. Anyway, and... Uh, there was, and I won't use some of the words that he used because there was a little bit more color to it. But uh, he said, you know, there are, you know, you just don't know F. <laughs> I go, okay, all right, could you be gentle? Is that one? <laughs> so, uh, so, and to this day, he's still a mentoring. And, uh, and, and, you know, he's a guy that is, is pretty brilliant. And there's a number of them that have gone along that path. And people that I still reach out to. And even, you know, through the EO program, you know, uh, they're just some really 
really great people. And by the way, all around the world. And I have a new mentor who is a transition officer in Dubai working for a very large um, royalty family. And he is uh, as blunt as well. And, uh, but I find it to be very helpful today. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, the value of mentors are just, there's no, there's no ceiling on them. Uh, from, from even my career, uh, I've had many mentors that's really helped me. Uh, one key piece of advice that I always remember is always work on your business, not in your business. So I wish I had, I knew, I wish I knew that before I started my career. I think that's uh, something that would have helped uh, ease some of the stress in the beginning. But uh, for you personally, what's maybe one thing that you wish you would have known before you began your career? One thing, there isn't one. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, I would say without doubt, public people. I, the importance of people and all people and being much more inclusive. You know, in one of our businesses, um, I'll give you an example. We really had our eyes opened up to, um, we had a couple of autistic people working for us. Now, they require a very structure, but we had to do some training. But I'll tell you, they were just incredible people. Um, and um, we had people that, you know, were having to do a data entry. So not that we couldn't give it to an able-bodied person, as we would refer to it, but those that were, you know, had, uh, had to live in a wheelchair. Uh, where others able-bodied have the ability to go and do other things. And I think that, that there's a part of that, that that I learned lots about. I think there's a part of that that, that again, it, when we think about going back to our community and helping in our community, um, those are things that, that I, I look at. I don't think that we, we could really underscore that enough. Um, so I go back to people. Um, without the people, um, I'm just a guy doing a podcast. Um, I have people working in the office and they do all the real heavy lifting. They really do. Um, so they're reliant on and finding the right people and, and helping them grow. So. Absolutely. Uh, I always say that you're as good as your, the people you surround yourself with. So uh, people's definitely up there in terms of helping you achieve or get to that success uh, level. What's maybe one question that you never get asked that, that you wish you would be asked? I'm sure you get asked lots of questions, but maybe what's one that you're you're wanting to answer that you could share with the listeners? But either as an, at least in my experience, certainly we're going to speak for everybody. But as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as a boss, and even as a as a leader, um, one the uh, one myth, I suppose, maybe the one question that we we kind of drive ourselves to is um, the communication level between those that work with us and then try not to be too well we work you know we work we work with you not work for you and trying to kind of eliminate that kind of um a mindset of hierarchy and there still has to be at the end of the day we try to run our organization so everybody has a say but ultimately there has to be somebody that says this is the decision you know we can't land on it so this is what they so i would say one of the questions i don't get asked enough from all those people within the organization so my career goals are X, Y, and Z. How can I better help the company reach its goals while progressing in my career goals at the same time? And it's, it's like, I, I think there's an apprehension or else a concern that, oh, he knows that I don't really want to be here. I want to be a rocket scientist, not a programmer. And so if I go and tell him that, um, then well, he's going to get rid of me. And that isn't the case. So I wish they would actually ask that and say, you know, I think I'm going to be here for a year or two. Is that okay? Sure. Let's let's make that a rewarding year or two. Let's how do we benefit each other? 
it. So that's one question I wish that everybody would have the opportunity or at least feel comfortable enough to ask it. And there's a whole bunch more, but at least that one. Absolutely. I know before we started the interview, you mentioned that you're in Arizona right now. Um, but maybe from your perspective, how has Calgary changed from when you first started to where you are today? Well, um, the influx of real soluble technology being developed in Calgary is huge. Bold letters, H-U-G-E, huge. Um, there are some of the great people that I've got to meet within the technology side that are developing things all around the world based out of Calgary. Um, so, but yet, uh, funding for sure is a challenge. Uh, but uh, I'd say by, this is becoming more minuscule and, and only for in, the, in, in Canada. So I'll give you an example. Last year, I think there were 7 or 8 billion US dollars raised in Canada for VC funds to give into Canadian technology. Well, in Silicon Valley alone, it was 132. Um, so there's a, the disparity is huge. And I think part of that then is companies like us and others saying, well, we need to be in the US market because we can get funding. Now, having said that as well, um, I think that's going to, what we don't, what we, what we are starting to see is that we're on the, the radar in up and coming. So we're not maybe there yet, but I, I emphasize yet with a couple exclamation points. So that's why I envision the future of Calgary as being uh, a better support mechanism, but we're starting to get some really good ones. This, you know, Platform Calgary is helping out, UFC Innovation Center, our governments, Alberta Innovates. Um, so I see a bright future for Calgary, and I, more so, I see the much needed industry diversification. Absolutely. And yeah, I envision a vibrant technology and uh, innovative atmosphere in Calgary. Uh, I've had many other CEOs and founders of tech companies here in Calgary, and it seems like the future is very bright. So I'm really excited to see what's, uh, what's to come. Speaking of what's to come, uh, is there anything on the radar uh, for Noble or yourself that uh, maybe you could share? Well, we're looking how it's, we're in a global uh, hunt for good people. Um, that's, that's a tough, uh, difficult thing for us to, to try to tackle right now. But so I'd say that's one aspect of it. Um, some of the challenges that I see is, is how, how do we revolutionize our industry? Um, you know, we're, we're heavily involved in AI, VR, and AR, so uh, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, and artificial reality. But they all have potential to impact our focus on the sectors that we're directing our employees to. So for a net gain and an impact on all economies. Um, so I see lots there. Um, and there's on the horizon that's, you know, Metaverse has been, although it's the new flavor today, it, it has been around for a longer time. And there is, uh, the original Metaverse company is out of Ottawa. So, you know, Canadian tech companies globally, or sorry, coast to coast, are, are, are really, really making an impact. And the more I have, so since I took over the company in September of 2020, I've been exposed to so much great technology and smart, smart people we have in our country and all around the world, not to minimize what's around the world. But um, so I see nothing but good things on, on this. And I've been in a variety of industries. So I think this one's a, an up and coming one. I was back and when I first started in technologies within the late 90s, and I worked in the US and we had a web-based application we developed. And today it's flourishing nicely. Um, but I look then and I look now and the, the difference, well, part of the difference is back then, you know, the programmers would kind of come and go through the norm, you know, through course of the day at three in the morning and they wouldn't come in until noon. And 
I was in a much more of a structured eight to five, you know, or six or whatever guy. And I go, man, this drives me crazy. So my partner, Phil said, listen, I'll take care of the programmer guys. You just take care of the business side and just forget it. They play pinball and basketball, but they're, and then what I didn't understand about them was the artistic nature of them. So just because I can sit down and write out forms and fill out stuff and put in applications and do business stuff, it doesn't, you know, they're, they're watching TV or playing a game and they go, oh, I got it. I know how to fix that. They drop that and they go off at three in the morning and then they program for six hours. So it is an art. That's why I've had to learn that and be patient with it and just say that that's how it works over there. That's still the same. I find part of that still be the same today. Mm. Definitely an art and science. <laughs> and science, yes. Sorry. Yeah. There's lots of science behind it. Shouldn't admit that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The one thing you mentioned uh, earlier was the metaverse, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around the metaverse and trying to leverage that technology for myself. But uh, for you personally, what's maybe something that you're really curious about right now? How can we? How can we separate solid solutions from the flavor of the day? Hmm. So uh, I can give you great examples. We had a client, uh, Puma, who said, we want virtual tryouts. We were, it's called VTO. It's the ability to take a, an image of yourself. And, and um, so we developed the uh, ability to stand in front of our mirror. You do a pirouette. We create an, a lifelike avatar of you. We pull 245 data points off you. We've measured you. We know about you. So, and of course, the tighter the clothes fit, the more accurate the measurements are. And from that, if you have what we refer to in the tech industry as the assets, so the clothing, the apparel in the in 3D, then we can actually try that on you and you can go, oh no, that's too big for me or it's too short for me. Or for me, who I really do need a large. Like I'm not in a meeting. So <laughs> and so so everybody gets caught up on that. And so we were in New York at the national or the uh, uh, the retail federations conference this January, and everybody loved that. Oh, it's great. But nobody's prepared to do um, 3D assets because that's my secret. My, those are my measurements, my cuts. So, and I can jump back to the late 90s. Our technology was um, around have a web-based application for the development and construction industry. So in the early 90s, the engineers were learning about CAD. But when we came along, we were taking their drawings and we had computer technology. And we were shooting. No, no, we can't give it. You can't have my drawings because they could steal my stamp. It would be special. So it was, you know, that dinosaur had to change, had to move along. And by the way, it has been 30 years and sort of 20 some years. It's been, I moved a lot. There's, uh, there's a, there's a shift through this, you know, gargantuan uh, shift of taking it from the designer who has, here's my created my shirts with fluffy sleeves over to the pattern maker who cuts it out and then they go make it. Uh, no more pattern makers. It's so, so that's, a, that's an example. So when I talk about those things, the metaverse is a good one. The metaverse has got, it's a, it's a funky flavor today, and it'll have some bearing, but the naming and the applicability are still not too close together. There's still some gap on it, some areas more so, because we can create a metaverse where you can go and shop in a virtual store. Well, then why do you need bricks and mortar? Well, I, I just don't see real estate uh, companies closing down shopping centers. I don't see people stopping socialization at shopping centers. So I think it would be great if we could separate, say, hey, this is a great idea. Maybe it's advanced. I would tell you that we're, our, our virtual try-on, our avatar is still about eight months, maybe 10 or 12 months ahead of when it's really ready to go. But we're, you know where we're really focusing on is our ESNGs, our environmental, uh, social, and governance component. 
we want fitment. So fit means that uh, you don't have to return. You're not part of those people that return 50% of the shirts that come and it doesn't fit you. Even though it said it was supposed to fit me, and then you ship it back. So if we can impact that, we can impact the waste of clothes, we can impact the waste of fuel, we can impact the waste of um, packaging and trees. And so that is, so that to us is where we're at. So we're, we've actually finished ours. We're about 85% complete on that, but we need the rest of the industry to make that shift. And I wish they could say yes, but not today. We're going there. And so, so we, we struggle with, and, and it's not just us, it's other technologies and it's other areas as well. So I'd say that I'm curious about how can we get to that real life and that, hey, today, this is applicable. This is it. We can solve this today. Yes, we're working on that problem for tomorrow, but today we can do this one. So I don't know if that was a long-winded answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was great. No, I I really appreciate that answer. I I think that was very in-depth. And uh, yeah, I think work on problems today to impact the future. I think that's what it's all about, what technology is all about. Um, Oh, yeah, I only have a... Couple more questions here for you, uh, Bill. Um, I know we talked a lot of topics already: uh, family, mentors, uh, resilience, all that. But what's maybe something that you're proud of that we haven't touched on? The effort and dedication of the team that we built, um, and how they have been—they bought into the whole company, literally, monetarily, and emotionally. Um, so their inspiration, um, their ideas, um, their participation at all levels of the company are important. Everybody shares. When we go to conferences now, we take uh, one of our design engineers with us. So they go with the sales team and they go there for support, but they go there to see how people interact with what they've built. Because we want them to see that. So, you know, we're, we had, we sent another fellow off to one in LA just recently. We have another one coming to Florida, another one coming around in uh, Calgary. So we're sending different engineers. So, and they come back with some pretty inspirational aspects of it. So I would say that I'm proud of how we've been able to um, put a team together and get their full participation and have and our biggest or not biggest. One of our challenges is that culture of making sure they feel like they have an input. And as we grow, that will become more of a, an issue. That's why we brought on a, uh, an HR person that is really about helping to build our culture. And we can call her the culture police or whatever. There's all kinds of branded um, names that people get. But at the end of the day, it's for her to not to help us not lose what we do today. So we do things like every quarter, I come in and we I cook barbecues and we have a lunch and they get to ask and uh, everybody gets to ask me any question they want. And if I can, I will ask it. So transparency, uh, I'm proud of. Um, inclusion, I'm proud of. We're just negotiating on a lease and and the lease said, no animals allowed in the office. And I wrote back and said, you have to strike that. That's discriminatory. We look at people that maybe need a CEI dog, maybe they need a guard. Maybe they need an animal that's trained. I mean, it's, it's not every animal, but that, to, to comfort them because maybe they're going through some things that we're not aware of. You can't restrict us like that. So, you know, I'm proud of how I think we approach business and how concerned we are for a customer. And I would say the one word that I like to carry for all of our people is that they're all caring. And if we can care for one another, we spend a third of our life together. We might as well, we need to care for each other. So mentally and physically, and, and we also need to make it an environment that is conducive for business. That's the reality of it as well. I love that. Caring. Um, yeah. Mine's, mine's just being kind, being a, being on team human, just uh, be kind to your fellow uh, neighbor, your fellow human. So I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, where can our listeners connect with you online? Oh, they can get a hold of me at Bill 
B-I-L-L at noble, N-O-B-A-L dot C-A. And if uh, they want to put in the subject line, uh, Joe presents. <laughs> Appreciate that. And I'll put that in the uh, podcast show notes. So you guys go reach out to Bill if you have any other questions. Well, sure. it's been a pleasure. Happy, sorry, <laughs> happy, to, happy to talk to anybody anytime. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Bill. Uh, it's uh, the time just flew by. I, I really appreciate your time here and uh, sharing some of your golden nuggets, like I like to call them. And uh, yeah, to end the interview, I'd like to have one last question since it's a leadership uh, interview podcast. Uh, so my last question to you, Bill, is what's what does being a leader or leadership mean to you? Hmm. Um, many things. Um, that's a question I guess I defer to my team that I work with. So um, nothing through making sure that I answer this the same way that I tell them I do. (laughs) (laughs) Not a problem. So if what they think a leader is aligns with what I think leadership is, I feel we've achieved, I've achieved being a good leader. So again, this is a moment where I say, what am I going to do to them? And I say, I have to do what I say. So define what I'm going to do and do what I say. So leadership's many things. Um, it's a visionary, motivator, rule breaker, educator, um, and getting educated within and outside of our company. Um, and also, it has to be a solid understanding of being humble. I'm not always right. And I, and I try to make sure that my hand goes up first if, uh, if I've done something wrong. And I hope that that becomes an example of leadership. And I look for others that, you know, that's a good idea. I know I need to act like that or, or respond like that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of how I feel. Hi, I'm Bill Roberts, and you're listening to Joe Momo Presents. Thanks again for watching the Joe Momo Presents podcast. For more episodes, check out joemomo.com slash podcasts. All right, see you next time.